Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and uh, it was a big weekend in SEC sports. I know a lot of you guys were excited about the start of SEC baseball season and several teams around the league coming up with pretty dominant sweeps over the weekend, uh, some other competitive games uh, for teams around the league as well. But as we know, uh, this is a very important stretch in SEC basketball, and there were some very important games on Saturday's slate, especially for a group of bubble teams. And some of those teams made the best of their opportunities. Some of those teams did not. And so let's dive right in uh, to the games that took place on Saturday. We start with one that uh, was one of the bigger bubble games, and that was Mississippi State getting a 78-77 to win at Arkansas. It was a must-win scenario for the Bulldogs. We talked about that on Friday's podcast and they got the win. Um, and again, it didn't really matter how they did it. They had a big lead. Arkansas rallied. Uh, but Mississippi State, Abdullah Du gets the tip in uh, with less than a second left. And it's almost fitting that a rebound would be the difference in this one. Because as we talked about going into the matchup, um, you know, rebounding actually hasn't been a huge factor. There wasn't in the first meeting, and it really wasn't as much in this meeting as well uh, when you consider that Mississippi State's one of the biggest teams in the country height-wise. And we've talked all season about Arkansas and sort of how they're a smaller team. They're going to play with more guards. Uh, but it, it came down to a big offensive rebound, and that's what Abdul Adu got here. And it gave Mississippi State a win, and it was another wild SEC game. Uh, as we saw, or as we've seen many times really throughout the season, where no lead is safe. Uh, even, you know, a double digit lead seems to be uh, one of the worst things you can get in SEC basketball right now because we're just seeing a lot of different teams uh, not be able to hold those leads. But Mississippi State gets the win. That's all that matters. And now, you know, they find themselves in a situation where Joe Lenardi updated his uh, bracketology. He released his new seed list on Sunday morning, and Mississippi State was the eighth team out in that update. So they're back on the bubble. Um, you know, still have work to do because they are the eighth team out in that scenario. Uh, but getting that win at Arkansas was one they had to have. They needed quality wins. They got it, uh, and were able to do it. You know, with Mason Jones once again putting a, up a impressive scoring performance. He had 38 points on the day, uh, but just not enough. And Arkansas now, you know, at one point we may have went into, you know, the week of last, we went into last week uh, looking at Arkansas as a team that was at a 10 seed, 11 seed type of range. And now they are out of the NCAA tournament picture for the moment because they are 4-8 and eight in, in league play, um, and they have some work to do to get back into it. And that's where we go back to, certainly without Isaiah Joe, this has been a different team, and it's a situation where, you know, who knows what would have happened in some of these recent games because they played close games. It's not as though they played every game and just gotten blown out. Uh, they've played close games, and not having Isaiah Joe, I think you're seeing this as sort of, we went into the year as well as Arkansas started. We still knew this was a team uh, that could have some potential weaknesses in terms of maybe, you know, some of the rebounding, some of the size, the depth. Uh, those are things that we knew at some point could catch up to them. And I think the grind of SEC play, we're seeing that now. And and again, especially since Isaiah Joe's been sidelined, um, there's only so much that Arkansas can do. But they have been in these games. They just haven't been able to make those plays 
that they've needed to make uh, to win games, and that has put them, you know, out of the scenario for now. They can still play their way back into it, but with a four and eight conference record, uh, they have got some work to do here. And for Mississippi State, uh, they just have to keep winning. They're not there yet. Uh, they have to keep winning. They can't afford bad losses, uh, but they are for now at least uh, back in the conversation. Kentucky got a 67-62 to win over Ole Miss at Rupp Arena. Uh, this was another game, and we talk about a wild start to, to Saturday in SEC play. This was another game that was pretty wild for a while. You know, the, the Rebels had their chances, and I think that anybody who watched that game saw it. Ole Miss had their chances to win this game. For the majority of the game, it felt like they were in control, and it did. I mean, it seemed like they were going to, you know, maybe pull this thing out there uh, once we we got down, you know, the stretch run of that game. However, you just had some some plays that Ole Miss usually doesn't make. You know, Bree and Tyree missing the front end of the one and ones. Um, that's unusual for him, and I think that's something. You know, if he makes one of those. It changes the game a little bit. Uh, He didn't, and that allowed Kentucky uh, to find a way to get a win. But I do think this is a game where, and we've seen this all season, Ole Miss is a team, and you heard this talked about on the broadcast, um, they like to switch up zones, they like to play different styles on defense, give you different looks, um, because that's going to force you to probably take some shots you don't want to take. And in this game, uh, Kentucky took some shots they didn't want to take, and I think they took some shots that John Calipari didn't necessarily want them to take. They went 2 of 22 from three-point range in this one. Uh, They came into the game last in the SEC with 4.8 made three-pointers per game. Uh, Not a team that attempts a lot of threes. We know that with Kentucky. They've never really been a team that's going to just go out and shoot 35 threes a game. Uh, They're built on their athleticism, their quick guards, they're guys who can get it to the paint, get it to the rim, get to the free throw line. You know, they took a lot more threes than I think maybe they should have here. But again, I think you have to credit Ole Miss and Kermit Davis uh, for approaching it that way, knowing that that, I think, is how you beat Kentucky. And that's how teams have been able you know, to beat Kentucky over the years here where sometimes you just have to find a way to force them to shoot the ball from outside and I think whereas Kentucky, not really a team that's going to shoot its way out of a slump at times, more so just going to stop shooting the three and go back to attack mode. They didn't necessarily do that uh, a lot in this game. Uh, but if you can make Kentucky shoot the three, you're going to have a chance. And I think that's what we saw here with Ole Miss. And that's the storyline we're going to keep talking about going into you know, the NCAA tournament is the matchups. And we'll talk a little bit about matchups in the tournament later because that's going to lead into something else. We're going to discuss uh, later on when we get to the power rankings. Um, but I tell you, I just I think with Kentucky, they have to understand that they are not a, a dominant three-point shooting team. And when they get in these slumps, their best answer isn't to keep shooting, whereas a team like Alabama could probably keep shooting and find their way. I think Kentucky just has to continue to attack. Um, and it's easier said than done when you're having those different zones thrown at you. Uh, give Ole Miss credit. They played really well here. Uh, just wasn't enough to get the win, and they had their chances. Uh, but Ole Miss, definitely a team to keep an eye on, and we'll talk about them uh, a little bit later on as well. For the Wildcats, of course, they now sit alone at the top of the SEC standings, and uh, we'll talk about why here shortly. Uh, Texas A&M 74, Georgia 69. Uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, they had talked about he had been sick. Uh, still really didn't look like himself in this game um and you know even with that I don't think you can take anything away from Texas A&M here because Georgia 
again, was a team that felt like they were in control of the game for, for a large part of it. But Texas A&M made its rally, and I think it just showcased that toughness we've seen from them under Buzz Williams you know, throughout the season. When you go back to where Texas A&M was to start the year to where they are now, it's just been a drastic improvement. And you know, for the Aggies to be sitting here at 500 in league play with six games left, very impressive. There's no other way to put it. Um, this was, you know, nothing really stood out, I think, in the game like this. It's just that Georgia's, you know, they just can't find ways to win right now, and that's obvious by their record. Um, but this is still a team that, you know, turning the ball over and not being able to make shots consistently, it goes back to what we've been saying. These are the things that were problems last year. There's still problems this year. And when you add in the fact that they are very, very inexperienced, um, it's just not helping them find ways to win. And I think a lot of people expected more of this team at this point in the season. Um, you know, whether those expectations were fair or unfair, you can you can make a claim one way or the other. But having Anthony Edwards on the court, um, I think people expected a lot more from Georgia. And right now to be sitting, you know, right there second to the bottom in the conference, uh, it's not exactly an exciting thing for Georgia fans, uh, but uh, for Texas A&M fans, again, they have a very, very improved team, and uh, they're another one that I think a lot of people say right now they, they don't want to see uh, maybe in their, their SEC tournament bracket once you get there, if you have some of these bubble teams uh, having a chance to, to potentially meet them and get knocked out by them. Uh, because they're a tough team and they're finding ways uh, to win some of these games. So, uh, but coming up next, uh, we dive into uh, the other four games from Saturday, uh, including several thrillers and including uh, one upset uh, that's really going to be a big factor in the SEC regular season uh, title race here. But that's coming up next here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We continue with our SEC Basketball Saturday recap with a look at uh, another wild game featuring these two teams. Not much of a surprise anymore when it comes to Alabama and LSU, but uh, it was another thriller uh, in Tuscaloosa. But it was Alabama getting the 88-82 to win over the Tigers, and the Tide are back on the bubble uh, yet again. And I know Alabama fans uh, are probably okay with hearing that right now. They probably get tired of hearing that over the years. Uh, But here we are in mid-February. Alabama's on the bubble and have a chance to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Um, And uh, what, what can you say about this game? It was just one that Alabama came out ready to play. Uh, They took advantage of LSU's inconsistencies on defense, and Alabama kept the momentum going from that game against Auburn where they played so well offensively, Um, and it just kept going in this one. Now, you know, like we said earlier with some of the other teams, you know, they did blow a lead. It got a little too close for comfort, I'm sure, for Nate Oates and Alabama fans. But at the end of the day, Alabama was in a, just like Mississippi State, Alabama was in a must-win scenario, and they got the win, and now they find themselves back in the picture, and they are in a better situation than Mississippi State is right now because in Joe Lenardi's uh, latest update, Alabama is the fifth team out. So they are now in a spot where you have to avoid bad losses, uh, but if you can finish very strong here, and I think with the way Alabama's playing, you have to assume that they're going to have a chance to finish pretty strong. If they can do that, uh, Alabama's going to be right there, and, and we may go into the SEC tournament yet again where we are circling Alabama and saying, okay, 
They have to get one win, two wins, not sure, but they could very well be sitting in that same scenario uh, going into the SEC tournament. Uh, As for the game itself, I mean, Herbert Jones, if you didn't watch this game and you're wondering, you know, what all the tweets are about, not just from me, which I've I've tweeted about it a a lot here uh, since that game because it was just so uh, incredible to watch his performance. Uh, You look around Twitter, everybody's sort of talking about, Herbert Jones in just a legendary performance. That's how I put it. That's one you're going to hear people talking about saying, I remember that game where Herbert Jones was out there basically playing with one hand and making one-handed free throws with his weak hand. Uh, I just, I don't know how else to explain it. It was just a, a surreal sort of thing to watch this kid playing. And we talked about that after the Auburn game. I thought Alabama could build off of, you know, knowing that a guy like that who was not expected back came in he gutted it out against Auburn now he comes out there he puts up 17 rebounds just I mean again with one hand I mean he's playing with a cast on his other hand and he grabs 17 rebounds he makes a couple key free throws with his weak hand one-handed again by the way (laughs) just uh something else man and that kid he's always been one of my favorites I think a lot of people who, who cover SEC basketball I've just talked about this guy um, he's just someone that that any coach in America and I said this on Twitter any coach in America would love to have a guy like Herbert Jones on their team he's just he's someone that makes everything go uh, Kyra Lewis and Jaden Shackerford you can't take anything away from them they combine for 53 of 88 points in this game uh, but Herbert Jones is the guy that simply He makes Alabama a better basketball team overall, and that's not to take anything away from any of the other guys on the roster. It's just he does all those things that you have to do to have a winning team, and he proved it here in this game, and he was a big reason why Alabama got that win. Uh, He just contributed so many different things that that were huge uh, to this victory, and really the rebounding. We talked about the rebounding battle in this one because LSU – you know, won that rebounding battle pretty convincingly the first game these two played, and we saw Auburn dominate the glass against Alabama, uh, yet Herbert Jones, again, adds 17 of his own. Alabama overall only lost the rebounding battle here by two. Uh, LSU's defense, still something to keep an eye on here because they're just giving up a lot of points, um, and if they can correct that, they're a team that, that's tough to beat, but because they're giving up a lot of points, because of those inconsistencies, um, you know, LSU, well, what's the ceiling for LSU? We don't really know right now, uh, but we do know that Alabama had to have that win. That gives them a second quadrant one win. And uh, once again, keep an eye on the tide here as uh, we move forward because uh, they're going to be right here on the bubble. Uh, We go from that game to another one here. And uh, Missouri 85, Auburn 73. Uh, Red Panda was in the building. And as I said, uh, if Red Panda's in the building, uh, how could you possibly expect Missouri to underperform, uh, knowing that the legend uh, was there to perform. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, we, we said this on Friday's podcast, you know, I picked Auburn to win this game, but I did say this was going to be a tricky spot without Isaac Okoro knowing how well Conzo Martin's team has been playing. Even in that loss to LSU, they played really well there, had their chances to win. Um, this was going to be a tough spot for Auburn, and it was, and we saw that. Missouri has been very good at times at home this season, We saw what they did against Florida. They found a way to win that game against Arkansas, and now they get a double-digit win here against Auburn. They were one of the teams that didn't let a double-digit lead slip away. They kept their foot on the gas, and they played really, really well. Xavier Pinson, Drew Smith with 28 each in this game. 
Uh, Conzo Martin's team, they showed, you know, that they have been good on defense and the offense at times. Uh, I know it's been frustrating for, for, for Missouri fans, but they managed to, to simply outplay Auburn here, I thought. And, and they deserve the win. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, and then when you look at the Auburn side of things, we talked about not having Isaac Okoro, but you know Auburn only goes one of 17 from three-point range in this one, and we've talked about that sort of trend all season long. This is not the same shooting team we saw a season ago, and there are going to be times like this where maybe they go on the road and they just don't shoot it well, and they didn't shoot it well here. You know, to offset it, they did get to the free throw line 46 times. And by the way, I think there was a total, I think it was 75 free throws were shot in this game or something like that. Uh, That is your SEC classic there because uh, we just see that too many times (laughs) these days. Uh, But that's a discussion for another day in terms of how much we could talk about SEC officiating. But uh, it was a free throw shooting contest uh, for sure uh, a lot of the time. But, uh, you know, when you look at it, Missouri could be a team that makes some noise in the SEC tournament. You got to keep an eye on them because, man, they are finding some confidence. And uh, when you look at the SEC title race for on Auburn's front, they probably have the best remaining schedule of any of the, the three in terms of Kentucky and LSU. Uh, but as we say, you know, n- none of these wins we can look at anymore and just say, hey, that's a guaranteed win for this team or that team. Uh, it's the SEC this year. We've seen it. There have been too many times uh, where we look at that and say, oh, that should be a, you know, a for sure win. Uh, a lot of people thought Auburn were going to go in and win this game. But uh, as we saw, I mean, Missouri, as well as they're playing, uh, it's just it's so hard to win on the road in the SEC. And at the same time, uh, you know, these games are so unpredictable that I don't even know if you can look at the schedules and say, well, just because Auburn has the best schedule the rest of the way, uh, you know, this is a team that could that, that should be the favorite. I don't know if you can say that about any of them because <laughs> we've seen, I mean, we've seen all three of these teams at the top be up and down. Uh, so how, you know, when Isaac Okoro comes back, I think that's going to be the biggest thing we look at with Auburn here moving forward. Uh, but for Missouri, uh, they're a team on the rise and they're someone as well you're not going to want to see here down the stretch, uh, they could spoil the party uh, for some of these bubble teams, uh, without a doubt. Speaking of another bubble game, uh, these teams were a little bit further off the bubble and uh, you know, still not necessarily on that radar right now, uh, but could potentially have a chance to play their way onto it, depending on how they fare here the rest of the way. South Carolina gets a 63-61 win over Tennessee, and the Gamecocks, believe it or not, are now only two games out of first, having won eight of their last 11 um, this was one where South Carolina just rallied late and was able to get a win. And we talk about those winning plays down the stretch. Uh, that's what you got from South Carolina. Uh, Mike Coatsar uh, hit uh, some big free throws there to, to, to let the Gamecocks get the win. And we saw on display here, you know, South Carolina, the depth and where you saw three guys, you know, off the bench, all added eight points each. And you, you see what their, their starting lineup did. Uh, McCreary, Hannibal, Bolden, those guys came off the bench, got the eight points each. Um, I think that the depth is something that we're not giving South Carolina enough credit for. They have good depth on this roster. And I think Frank Martin's ability to, to sort of mix and match guys has made it very difficult for opponents at times because he can put out a lot of different lineups uh, because he's got a lot of players to work with and he's got guys who are contributing on a consistent basis. And that's helping the Gamecocks be a really tough team you know, to, to win against right now. As we're saying, I mean, they've won 8 of 11 and they find themselves only two games out of first place i mean they are legitimately still in this thing uh and knowing how wild the sec has been anything can happen here (laughs) so we have to we have to look at it that way when it comes to the gamecocks uh because they're just finding ways to win and for them to 
you know, get back into the bubble conversation to be right there. They just have to keep winning. It's as simple as that. Uh, they they are certainly a team that cannot afford any losses, bad losses for sure. Um, they just have to keep winning because they need more quality wins on the resume. This helped a little bit beating Tennessee. Tennessee has a tough schedule. That's going to keep them in the mix. If they're able to win some of those games uh, the rest of the way, you know, against these teams they're going to play. I know they've still got Auburn, still got Kentucky. Uh, I'm sure there's others. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but uh, they have one of the toughest schedules the rest of the way. And so uh, they're going to have opportunities to play their way back onto it. It's just a matter of winning those games. John Fulkerson, we talked about him in the preview that I thought he was the key in this game. You know, he had his best game with 25 points, but uh, you had South Carolina making those plays to get the win. A uh, huge win for the Gamecocks, and now Frank Martin's team uh, sitting right there at 8-4 and four in the league and uh, trying to find their way uh, onto the bubble. We wrap it up uh, with Florida, 84, Vanderbilt, 66. A convincing win for the Gators uh, on Billy Donovan Court there, undefeated still uh, on Billy Donovan Court. Uh, certainly a special Special moment there uh, for him to return and have the court, you know, named after him, and you get all the former players returning. Um, and by the way, before we talk about the game itself, I highly recommend SaturdayDownSouth.com. Go check out my friend uh, Neil Blackman, who hosts the Florida Basketball Hour podcast. Go check out the uh, the story he did on Billy Donovan because it's really a great read. I'm not just saying that because he allowed me to, to contribute to it and offer some uh, insight into not just how Billy Donovan helped Florida, but how he's helped the entire SEC basketball landscape. So check out that article. Uh, that That's a really good one uh, by Neil. So so do that when you have some time. But speaking of the Gators, I mean, as for this game, you know, they had, they've had two straight dominant performances now. You know, they, they really dominated this game. Uh, they had the dominant game at Texas A&M. Now can they do that against the top teams in the league? And that's what we're about to find out looking at their remaining schedule uh, where, you know, their next four games, they've got Arkansas, they're at Kentucky, they're at home against LSU, and they're at Tennessee. So they are going to be challenged here. Can they do this against these top teams? Because that's what they have to do to prove that they can be a threat when we get to the NCAA tournament, they also have, I mean, you know, they have two games total against Kentucky the rest of the way. They've also got a game against the Georgia team who played them very well in Gainesville. Um, so the Gators seem to be making moves here. Uh, they've just got to prove that they can do it against these top teams. Of course, one of the, one of the things that, that you look at from this game, uh, if you watched it, Jerry Stackhouse was ejected uh, earlier. He was ejected with 22 seconds left in the first half after Matthew Moyer got some contact uh, going to the basket and uh, went down with what looked like a pretty ugly injury uh, to his shoulder. I mean, I don't I don't think you can blame Jerry Stackhouse at all. I mean, he was very visibly frustrated with, with no foul call in the play. Uh, his guy goes down hurt, and I don't have a problem, you know, with a coach sticking up for his guy in a situation like that. And everyone has their own opinion on whether it was a foul or not a foul, and you're always going to have people uh, who think one way or the other, no matter what the, the replay shows, no matter what actually happened, uh, people are going to have different sides of it in terms of whether they thought it was, you know, a foul or whether it, it was something to warrant Jerry Stackhouse house getting upset to the point of getting ejected but for me his team was not playing well uh he stuck up for his guy i got no problem with that for a guy that's on you know his first year on the job and he's building toughness with his group and just you know i'm sure his players hey they weren't playing well but when you see your coach sticking up for you like that uh you'll take that that's at least a positive so i got no problem with how that played out Coming up, we're going to look at the weekly SEC basketball power rankings. Uh, Who are the teams that are starting to make their moves? Uh, We will look at that next here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
And we dive into uh, the weekly power rankings. Of course, this is the first set of rankings uh, since it's the first Monday uh, we've had on the show here. Uh, and before I do, just quickly, uh, everyone has a different criteria when it comes to their own power rankings. Remember, these are my personal power rankings. I don't expect you to agree with them. Uh, I don't want you to agree with all of it. I think that, that power rankings are done for my personal fun and enjoyment. Um, you having your own set of power rankings, I'm not going to try to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. I know sometimes you get that, you know, from, from people maybe who cover sports and they, they're trying to convince you that they are right about this or wrong about that. I just enjoy looking at teams, you know, from top to bottom. Uh, I put my own rankings together. I do it based on if these teams were playing right now, how would I rank these teams 1 through 14? On a neutral court, if they were playing, how would I rank them 1 through 14? It's really as simple as that. It's not, There's no really no complicated aspects to it. You can look at the data. Uh, you can come up with all sorts of things. You can do it your way. Your own power rankings, perfectly fine. Uh, these are just how I do it, and uh, I, I really don't make a huge deal of it. It's just for fun. I promise, guys. It's, it's for fun and entertainment. People love power rankings, um, and that's why I do them. I don't do it to tell you that I'm right and you're wrong. That's just uh, I don't have the energy for that. Um, so keep that in mind here. So remember, if teams have already played and you're wondering, well, why did I rank Team A above Team B when Team B already beat Team A this season? It's not about that. It's how teams are playing right now as of today. Um, this is how I would rank them in terms of if they played on neutral court. I'd feel you know, much better about Team 13 beating 14, 12 beating 13, and so on. Uh, it's that simple. Don't overthink it. This is just my personal power rankings. I welcome your power rankings. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Blake Level. Tell me how you would rank them all for it. Uh, let's dive in. Vanderbilt at number 14, uh, just one of those games they had against Florida. Uh, like I said, I think this team has come a long way since Aaron Neesmith's injury. They've been a lot more competitive. They won the game against LSU. They had Kentucky on the ropes twice. Um, they're, they're getting better, and they're getting a lot tougher. And I think those are two things where, and John Calipari said it, you know, they, Jerry Stackhouse's guys are playing hard for him. I mean, they are they are playing hard. This team doesn't have the depth to, you know, to be able to be a consistent top half team right now, but uh, they're playing hard. They're getting better. I think that's all you can ask for uh, for Vanderbilt's current situation. Uh, number 13, I've got Georgia. Uh, the Bulldogs, you know, 2-10 and 10 in SEC play, not where people thought they would be. Um, and to do that in a year where you have Anthony Edwards, very frustrating for Georgia fans, I'm sure. But uh, until they can fix the turnover issues, the shooting issues, uh, the inexperience is just not something you can overcome. I mean, you play more games together, but uh, at the end of the day, Georgia has a lot sort of working against it in terms of the weaknesses they have, and that's led uh, to the struggles they've had here. Uh, number 12, I have Texas A&M, and I know that's going to be something that, that people may point out and say, well, how can you put Texas A&M at number 12 uh, when they're 6-6 six and six in league play and you've got three teams below them at 4-8? and eight? Again, if they were playing right now on a neutral court, I would feel better just about the three teams that I have ahead of them at four and eight in the conference right now because of how those three teams specifically are playing. Uh, but Texas A&M, I, you can't knock how far they've come. Uh, they have come a long way just like Vanderbilt. But Texas A&M's got a lot better. They've gotten a lot tougher. They're not a team I would want to see in my side of the bracket because they play very, very well on defense. 
Um, and, and they're starting to get better on offense. I think their offense is coming along too, and that's something uh, that's going to be very important for them uh, here if they're able to pull off some of these upsets. They just, they're just they going to be physical, they're aggressive, uh, and that's the type of team that plays well enough on defense to where uh, they will not make life fun on some of these teams uh, ahead of them. And again, not a team probably I want to see in my side of the bracket. Uh, number 11, I have Arkansas. And uh, remember, this is based on as of today. And as of today, Arkansas doesn't have Isaiah Joe in the lineup, and when he returns, I think you'll see a different Arkansas team. The question is, will it be you know enough for them to put themselves back into the NCAA tournament uh, conversation? They're just not the same team without him on the floor, and I think we've seen Mason Jones, despite his heroics and incredible scoring efforts, um, he just hasn't been able to do it by himself consistently. And I think you know if that's where you have someone else like that on the floor. Uh, you put yourself in those close games. You've got a couple different guys that have been in those spots and have been able to to prove that they can make those shots, make those plays. And so, you know, they've played a ton of close games. They're just struggling to win right now. Uh, they'll, they'll get back on track, I think, you know, depending on when Isaiah Joe comes back. Uh, but uh, they're just, you know, they're just not the same team right now without him. And I think, you know, having him, yes, some of these games probably would have went uh, the different way if they had had him on the court. Uh, number 10, I have Missouri. Uh, they are a team that, you know, as we've seen, they've been very good at home. Uh, they're coming off of a big win against Auburn. They've played so well at home recently. Um, and I think you just need a more, you know, probably a bigger sample size for, for Missouri in terms of can they impress consistently away from home? And I think that's what we look at with them, um, as well as they're playing, you know, and yes, they're coming off of playing really well at LSU. Uh, can they keep that going? Because if they can do that the rest of the way, you know, they, they go the rest of the way, have a chance to, to play really well in some of these games. You know, they still have road games at Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss. Uh, if they can go on the road and win some of these games, I mean, Missouri, they could be as hot as anyone down the stretch. You know, they've got a big game coming up against Ole Miss on Tuesday. Uh, they've got some opportunities, and with the way they're playing, they could reel off some wins here uh, down the stretch. So Missouri is certainly a team to keep an eye on, uh, number 10 uh, here in this week's uh, power rankings. Number nine, I have Ole Miss. Um, I think Ole Miss is, you know, of this trio here at 4-8, and eight, uh, which, of course, is Ole Miss, Missouri, and Arkansas. I just uh, – Ole Miss with Brian Tyree – I just think they're a team, and we goes back to what we talked about earlier when they with the Kentucky game. I mean, they they had their chances to win that game, and we're talking about a couple plays are the difference in winning at Rupp, and they had their chances, and they could certainly be, you know, the potential spoiler in the SEC tournament with Bree and Tyree's ability to change a game uh, at any time. I think Ole Miss is a team here uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch the rest of the way because they've already proven uh, that they are much improved and they are someone else. <laughs> I can just say this about everybody at this point. You don't want to see Ole Miss in your bracket. You don't want to see anyone in your bracket, uh, I guess. That's what's going to make the SEC tournament uh, so fun. Number eight, I have Tennessee. That South Carolina game is a tough one because they, they – you talk about teams that had their chances. That feels like a game that Tennessee really should have won. Uh, coming off of that blowout win at home against Arkansas, you know, they, they had that road win at Alabama a couple weeks ago. Um, this just felt like a game that Tennessee had their opportunities and they really needed to win. Um, and, you know, their road games the rest of the way are not easy. They got to go to Auburn still. They got to go to Arkansas. And they still got to go to Kentucky. Very tough, but um, I think they're still going to be a team that could win some of those games. And if they do that, uh, they could be in the mix. Uh, we'll see. But uh, number seven, I have Mississippi State. We said they are back in NCAA tournament contention, um, but you know there are still some things in Mississippi State 
to where, you know, they, they had that one game against Ole Miss, which I think at this point you have to sort of look at and say, well, there have been a lot of SEC teams that have had those kind of games. Um, and with Reggie Perry, you know, he is sort of that same mold in terms of when you have a star player like that, you feel like you're going to have your chances against anybody. And with their size, with their rebounding ability, uh, Mississippi State uh, at number seven this week, but uh, I could also justify putting them a couple spots uh, ahead here. Uh, ultimately, I went with a few other teams here, but I uh, like the way Mississippi State rebounded from that loss against Ole Miss back in the tournament conversation. We'll see if they get there. Number six, uh, I have Alabama. Uh, they are simply a better team with Herbert Jones on the floor, as we've said many times now. Um, and, you know, they're just they're playing so well. They are a team that if they continue to play the way they're playing, I would be more surprised than not if Alabama doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Even at 14-11 right now, um, you know, even at 6-6 six and six in the conference, I just think that their strength of schedule ultimately is something that is proving to be a big help for them, not just from an NCAA tournament standpoint, but from a playing standpoint. They have played so many tough teams this year. They've played in so many tough type of games that they're finding ways to win some of these. I know they didn't win the one at Auburn, uh, but they win the one against LSU, and now they can't afford to have a letdown against Texas A&M on Wednesday. And that is something we've seen from Alabama over the years is they have letdowns in games like this, and then that puts them out of the equation as quickly as they jumped right back into it. So they have to come out playing with the same type of confidence they played with. Uh, If they do that, I think Alabama's going to be right here in the mix, uh, potentially being that fifth team that that gets into uh, the NCAA tournament from the SEC. Uh, Number five, I have South Carolina, and this is one where I think, you know, some people may look at South Carolina and say, well, you know, I know that they're sitting here, at eight and four in league play, but uh, are they really better than you know Alabama? Are they really better than Mississippi State? I'm telling you guys, I think the reason people are saying that is because they just haven't watched enough of South Carolina to understand that this team has really, aside from that loss at Ole Miss, I mean South Carolina's played as well as anybody the past month or so. Uh, they have just, I mean, remember, they've beaten Kentucky. They've won at Arkansas. They've beaten Tennessee. Uh, they've blown out the teams that they should have, you know, probably we've seen some teams kind of let hang around. I mean, they blew out Vanderbilt. They blew out Missouri. They blew out Texas A&M. They blew out Georgia on the road. They are playing really, really well right now, and I don't think you can just look at this and say, well, this team lost to Boston and Setson earlier in the season. We can't. We have to discount everything they've done. Don't do that. It would be a mistake. South Carolina's playing really well. That's why I have them at number five this week because I think they're a team that's probably still not getting enough credit, but that is nothing unusual when it comes to a Frank Martin team. Uh, number four, I have Florida. Uh, the Gators, uh, they just need to build off the momentum. Simple as that. They have to be able to build off of the momentum they got against Texas A&M and Vanderbilt if they can do it, if they can beat these quality teams and prove that they are a team that is going to be more consistent against top quality competition, Florida can get back to being a second weekend NCAA tournament team. And that's I'd love to see that because I think that's what they're capable of. You want to see teams live up to their potential. Um, and I think Florida can do it. They've just got to be very focused, have a very focused mindset going into the stretch of games they have coming up because it's not going to be easy uh, and it's one that's going to prove to us whether Florida is for real or whether they're sort of back to being that team uh, that we just really can't rely on the rest of the way. Number three, have LSU. Uh, defense still a problem area. We've talked about that. It's just, you know, most of their scoring is coming from their starting five, maybe not as deep of a team, uh, but the guys that are coming off the bench are still playing key roles, whether it may not be from offense, but maybe on defense, rebounding. 
The defense, though, that's the one thing that we're going to continue to focus in on with LSU because it is the one thing that could hold them back from being a true Sweet 16 caliber team. And as well as they play on offense, it's just not going to be enough because they just are giving up too many points. And until they can do that, uh, it's really hard. Maybe we throw LSU now in that category of teams that are hard to trust because we just don't know how they're going to play on defense. So they have to get better there uh, if they want to be a, a team that can go deep in March. Now here comes the point where this was really tough to do, but this is where I also you know, go back to what I said before we, we went into the power rankings based on how teams look as of now. And that's why I have Auburn at number two, uh, because this is the fact. They, they don't have Isaac Okoro on the floor right now. And, and remember, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday evening, uh, Monday morning, by the time you listen to this, Monday afternoon, whatever. Uh, may already know Isaac Okoro's status for the next game. Don't know. But as of right now, we saw that against Missouri. They're, they're just, you know, they need him on the court, plain and simple. He needs to be on the court for them to be uh, the type of team we know that they're capable of being. And so without him on the court right now, I think I would put Auburn at number two. They, they still have a lot of upside. I, I'm still buying Auburn. I, I'm just, I'm not away from it yet, even though they've had these these losses on the road, which I know are a little bit concerning, uh, and their lack of three-point shooting is also concerning. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I still think with Isaac Okoro on the floor, um, they we've seen it. They they just they find ways to win more often than not. And so uh, how he progresses, uh, you know, how he plays when he returns, uh, that's going to put Auburn in that category of teams. That okay, well, how far can they go? We won't know until they get their matchup. But uh, with Isaac Okoro on the floor, uh, they're a different team. And, of course, number one is Kentucky. They haven't been completely dominant, as we said earlier. Uh, this just isn't a team that is going out and dominating You know, teams maybe like some people think they should, but I think we've just seen it. It's just Kentucky is sort of like these other teams at the top where there are times where they can look really good. There are times where they can be a very frustrating team to watch. Uh, but if they just keep going to their strengths, which is you know attacking the rim, not shooting a ton of threes, uh, rebounding, trying to get offensive rebounds. Uh, Kentucky can beat a lot of teams. They can go far in March, um, and you know they can win a lot of games. And I think that's the difference right now is that they're even with them not playing well at times, they're still finding ways to win. Um, and then they've done it on in road games too. And I think that's something we have to keep in mind. They've done it away from home, uh, and that could be the difference, you know, between them and some of these other teams is that you know they've managed to go win uh, tough games at an Arkansas, at a Tennessee, uh, you know, games like that. And so uh, I think we'll see kind of what they're made of too here the rest of the way because their schedule far from easy uh, here down the stretch. But but that'll wrap up uh, this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. Uh, send me your power rankings, 1 through 14. Tell me what you've seen, what have you liked, what have you not liked. Uh, send it over to me on Twitter. Uh, we'll have fun with that. And as I continue to mention, uh, we will get more into SEC baseball, SEC football, of course, here as we go along uh, on the podcast uh, right now with SEC basketball and a lot of important games. Uh, we're focusing on that, but we will get to uh, a lot more about those uh, here as we go along. Be sure you're subscribed. Search for the Lockdown SEC on any podcast app you use. And, uh, again, follow me on Twitter at the Blake Lovell for more SEC sports discussion. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.